Hello and welcome to the Get Stuck In podcast. We are back with episode eight. We're joined by Jafar, who's a Liverpool fan. We have yet another Liverpool fan, but you know, hard to come by the announcement at the moment. Um, we're going to talk about the Premier League results this weekend. And then obviously we're going to be asking him the fan questions to hear his footballing story as a Liverpool fan. So Max, should we just jump straight into the Premier League chat? Yeah, so the big talking point of this weekend, unfortunately, once again, was the referee. And um, I mean, Brighton and Lewis Dunk got massively robbed, I think that's fair to say, by a shocking sort of calamity on the referee's part, which is Lee Mason, blowing the blowing the whistle to take the free kick and then blowing the whistle again, even after, um, before Dunk had put the ball in the back of the net, uh, therefore disallowing the goal, which was at no fault of Brighton or Dunk's. Um, yeah, massive calamity. It's probably the worst. And I'll tell you what made it worse was the fact that it got referred to VAR. So it's put the shifted the blame slightly again onto yeah. VAR. Really piled it on, and I'm not a fan of it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you guys thought of it. But I thought yeah, it I mean, my my thing with this um, was obviously you've had quick free kicks down the years. I think Henri did it a couple of times. I mean, Dunk, this is his second one, isn't it? He did it again. He did it against you guys, didn't he? He scored against Liverpool. Yeah. And I just think it's not on the ref for the defence. His job is to referee the game. His job is not to help the defence get set up. As soon as he's blowing the whistle, he he did blow the whistle again, but like obviously very late. It was basically the ball crossed the line. But he went like, oh no, they're not set up. I'll blow it again. That's not his job. If he blew the whistle at the goalkeeper was still on the halfway line, that's on the goalkeeper. That's up to them. And it's like, there's this unspoken thing where like, because the free kick taker normally takes a little bit of time to set up, they kind of naturally just let the goalkeeper get ready. And it's just, it's just clever play. It's no different to Trent against Barcelona, not to keep bringing it back to you, but like, it's just baffling how they can't allow it. How, like, he blew the whistle. That's it. He can't blow the whistle again. Even if he wanted to, it doesn't matter. And um, like you say, the fact, didn't it? He corrected it. Well, he gave it. Was that under the advice of VAR? Or was that him changed his mind? Then VAR came in. I'm not sure. I think I think he disallowed it at first. Yeah. Then he allowed it. Then it went to VAR. Oh, man. So it was like, it changed like three times. <laughs> yeah. I just love watching the players like, you the Brighton players going up to him and then they suddenly went like, yeah, get in, let's go. They walk back and then it's the West Brom players <laughs> and then it's the Brighton players going mad. I just, I'm running out of words with you. I feel like every time, like every weekend, I basically like call or message my dad about the weekend and we're just like, how did that happen? How See, that's not, that's that not VAR though. Well, yeah, but um, unless you got rid of every single referee and trained all these new ones. No, no, no. That's yeah. That's what that's I, what you that... know, I agree. The technology in theory is great, but there's just not the standards of refereeing to put it in place. I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree that VAR is trash, but I don't it shouldn't be that hard with <laughs> yeah. VAR because everyone else can see what should have happened and we're not trained referees. It shouldn't be that hard to do it with VAR. Obviously, on field, it's harder to make it in real time. I don't blame referees all the time for that. But if you have technology, you have replays, you shouldn't be making the mistakes. Well, I mean, they use it in, like, so many sports, don't they? And so much less sort of um, controversy around it. So, 
it, it is bizarre. I think a lot of pundits have mentioned it where they've sort of said about having someone who plays the game involved in refereeing decisions or rules like a former player because they do just get it. Uh, they just they they're, they're just used to it, and I just think one thing that really frustrates me is whenever VAR gets it wrong, there's a few times where they've come out or referees get it wrong. There's a few times where someone comes out from whoever and says, yeah, this was a mistake. But the amount of times you get these TV referees who just find any way in the world to explain the decision, half the time, when they go to him during the game, he says, yeah, it's not a penalty, say. Then they give it as a penalty. And then he said well, yeah, if you look at this law, it is a penalty. And you're just like, come on. Like, it's searching just common sense. Searching through the handbook to find a, a reason. Literally. Yeah, there's no accountability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've thought about this, about, I mean, referees, I feel like they appear, they have accountability because it's true. Everyone has a go at them. <laughs> it's a tough thing. <laughs> yeah. Let's not lie about it. Um, but at the same time, what, actual accountability do they have because nothing seems to really change the referees stay virtually the same um no matter how the I'm, obviously i'm sure they get taken off certain games if they've made a poor decision i don't doubt that yeah i think sometimes they get like put down into the yeah, championship yeah. but at the same time why are you then but you got oh you've been poor let's punish the championship by giving them this in this situation poor referee like it just doesn't make sense i I don't see why there can't be. Obviously, you can't have it like there are still going to be mistakes and there's still going to be controversial decisions, but like the level of some of them, there has to be some system put in place to have repercussions because some of them are so defining. Like, I know this wasn't referees with VAR specifically. Well, I mean, I, I think it, I think VAR should have just overridden goal line technology on that Sheffield United Villa goal because that has so many implications financially, whatever, like everything. Bournemouth could be so up much. right now. Bournemouth yeah, exactly, exactly. Could be. And if Sheffield United win that game, they could, that was the first game back, they could have still gone on a run and got yeah. European football. Yeah, they were in prime position to get. They were in a fifth place, I think, when the restart happened, something like that. Yeah. I think they were ahead of Man U at the time or something, yeah. or really close. They could yeah. have even pushed for Champions League if they had some luck. But with that, it's not like, sometimes you get these things and then, like there's so many things going on in a clip and you people kind of miss things like you kind of miss there was a trip here or something but they everyone in the world including VAR knew that was over the line but they just said oh we can't overall it's like it's like one thing I hate is when there's a tackle and it's like oh that could be a red they say it's not a red and it is debatable but they're not allowed to yellow card them like I think Bruno Fernandes did one against Arsenal where he kind of raked his studs down the players uh, I think it's Jacques's leg it's like yeah it's not a red it probably is that kind of orange card everyone talks about. But they, it's like he doesn't even get booked. He just walks away like that rule just doesn't make sense. Surely not Not that every time you check a red, it has to then be a yellow. But when it is a yellow, give a yellow. I just... It's, to, it's, that point, uh, to that point, it, it's just with the yellow cards, you can't send someone off for a second yellow then. So that yeah. removes half of the equation for sending someone off. You can send someone yeah. off for a straight red, but you can't. Can't do it for a second yellow when you refer to VAR. Yeah. So, like I get, I kind of. It's the same the with. Um, yeah, Karen. It's the same with diving. Um, like if a penalty gets overturned and it was a clear dive, they don't book the player. Yeah. So like what's right. stopping them from doing it again? I feel like the reasoning is, and I don't know. This is just my guess. 
in terms of the reds being converted is that you, you, if you like start giving them, people are going to want you to look at every single tackle to see if it's a yellow. But I don't think that's the point. I think the point is if you're already checking it for the red, you can give a yellow. It's not like you're going to go to every single foul that happens and go, let's check, let's check. I mean, <laughs> I say that they do. I'm pretty sure they do check everything that happens. We just obviously don't hear about it. But the potential, like you said, Max, the potential is clearly better than no VAR. But at this point, I I think everyone prefers it without without VAR. It just keeps it simple. But if we kind of will keep on this VAR track as well as move on to a new game. We uh we had the Man United Chelsea game a complete dud in terms of entertainment being nil nil. I mean, it's, <laughs> we're going to talk about Man United's games against both games later. this season. Both games have been nil nil this season. Yeah, it, they're just there's something about them this year with top six. But can we quickly just stick on VAR the Hudson Odoi handball? I don't know if you saw that one too far, but how do you feel about that? What, yeah, what did I've you seen see it. it as? I mean, I think it's a penalty. It should be a penalty, yeah. but. I don't feel any sympathy. (laughs) (laughs) As a Liverpool fan, I don't feel any sympathy for them. Because it's not just that it's Man U. It was Man U against Chelsea earlier on in the season when Chelsea should have had a penalty and weren't given it. So it does balance out this time. It's still wrong, but I don't think people can complain too much if they weren't uh, at that time. Is that the Maguire challenge on Azpilicueta? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I but, think, the, sorry, you go. Yeah, it should have been a penalty, really. I think um, with with the with the penalty, the handball law is so disingenuous now. It, it under compared to what I have seen given handball, yes, it's a it's a hundred percent like it's the most blatant penalty. If we're talking, for example, when. I know it's not the same um, competition, but in the Champions League last year, when Memphis De- Memphis Depay got called for a handball against against Juve, when he when he was just jumping in the wall and he had his hand by his by his side on his body, I mean compared to that, it's a playing handball. Yeah. But handball is hand to ball. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I mean I mean you could argue that he has done it, so that makes it even more blatant. But handball rule is just like it can just touch your hand like. Handball is supposed to mean hand to ball, not ball to hand, and I, it is completely disappeared. Yeah, if you play it, and also I, I think, think with that, yeah, I just yeah. think if a player handball should be if a player intentionally moves their hand towards the ball in an effort to play the ball. Luis Suarez against Ghana is a handball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that is a clear that is a handball. Yeah, certain goals. Are, yeah, I mean. Fernandinho against Chelsea in the last year, that was handball. Yeah. Clear act to move your hand to stop an action happening. I just think that it's completely lost its lost the plot. I think it's the what I think it's the most um of all the sort of contentious rules, it's the one that's drifted the furthest in any, I think, in the last ten years. Yeah. I think no man you play it appealing for it. It kind of showed that like it wasn't enough of a handball based on a few years ago. That would never be a penalty. Like no one appealed for it. No one thought it was a penalty. And Man U, like they would appeal for it if they thought it was a penalty. It's only on the replays where you see like a tiny touch. Yeah. Where a few years ago, it's never a penalty, but based on this season, it should have been. Yeah. 
Um, if we stick with this game, then we mentioned Man United. It's another nil nil. I'm pretty sure. Is it every single game they played against the top six is nil nil, apart from the six one and the one nil against Arsenal? And I think it's like five points. Yeah, from twenty one, I think it was. I think BT Sports weird out. It's bizarre because with Man United, obviously they've overall. I think everyone would agree they've improved from last season, especially with the um, addition of Bruno Fernandez, but. When they, when these years since uh, Fergie, when they haven't been quite as good, they've always been pretty good in the big games, especially Man, Man City. Especially to be fair, actually looking back, for like Liverpool, they didn't really have much against them. Um, but I mean, Arsenal, I felt they always generally had the better of us, maybe until the last couple of years. But from memory, they did well. Like I said, especially against Man City. Why do you think this season they've they've dropped below that level in these big games? Review. I think I think the main thing is <clears throat> I actually saw a tweet from Mark Goldbridge last night and we were referring to that tweet because I thought it was right because um, he was talking about it and saying basically that last season and the season before um, teams would get caught on the counter they left spaces on the wing behind the fullbacks because they pushed their fullbacks up this season teams have just they've learned from it um, yeah. big teams they're just covering a lot more down those wide spaces and those wide areas. Not allowing Rashford, not allowing Martial if he's playing on the left, uh, not allowing Greenwood if he's playing on the right to make any headway down the left or right channels. Um, and I, it works because you, you, it, it's basically like like Mark Colbury said, it's, it's telling teams, and it's telling United, you've got to come and play. You've got to come and actually beat us um, when it when you're when it's eleven v eleven but in your own half, um, so I think that's basically I think I think basically teams have learned from it learned from how many yeah, yeah. United playing. So I don't think they, and it's the same. I mean you, you don't change it, but United have been playing the same way for the last couple of years. It's the same with all teams. And do I mean I think I think we've seen that with Klopp's team a bit as well. People have learned how to play against Klopp this year a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's highlighted, isn't it? Why wasn't it first day of last season? I think Man United beat Chelsea four 0 and it's such a weird game because Chelsea played sort of fine, but it's just that lethal Man United counter-attack. Um, Jafar, obviously a lot is talked about Bruno this year. You know, is he going to be player of the year? Is he is he one of the best players in Europe? I guess would be the question now. But there is this thing going around now as you get with quite a few players, they get this this tag that they can't do it in the big games. Do you think that's do you think that is true of him? I'm not sure his actual stats, but I know they're not his output isn't impressive I think... in these games. I think based on watching them, it's fair to say, because um, I saw like there was a couple of moments where he could have played, I think it was Rashford in, and one of them he overhit really badly when Rashford would have been one-on-one and one of them he underhit. And he's not as, he doesn't play as well in the big games. Maybe that's because of the way Man U set up. They have less of the ball. He has less time to do it because he does give the ball away when even against the smaller teams, but he has more of it. So he has more chances to then fix it later on and create a chance. But against the bigger teams, he doesn't have that because of the way they play. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't think he scores an open play goal against them either. Yeah. That was the penalty against Tottenham. But aside from that, I don't think he I feel like just in his general play, you kind of mentioned it. People have kind of accepted this with strikers. You get strikers kind of like... I guess you put Bamyang in that bracket where 
they are high chance strikers. Like they're not necessarily the most clinical, but their movement is so good. I think Cavani's in this bracket as well. They get so many chances to score. They're gonna get. They're gonna miss two, but score two. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you get the strikers who will get one and score one. Um, and I feel like you get these with playmakers. I feel like Bruno Fernandez. He's not the tidiest player. He gives the ball away. I think Sanchez was maybe in this bracket. He gave the ball away so many times when he played for Arsenal, Man United. But he'd also do the killer thing, and it's just. Bruno has that, and I think you're right. I think he just, you're naturally, you're playing better opposition on paper, better position, uh, opposition. You're going to get less chances. And what in a game against a smaller team, he just gets probably about six chances per game to have a shot, play a through ball, whatever. And I think, yeah, he's definitely, I wouldn't say he was as uh, efficient, maybe, as like a prime. Ozil maybe is it like maybe would only he'd only have two chances to play the right through ball but he'd do it once whereas maybe Bruno needs a couple more but he does it so many times in a game um but I feel like I definitely stand there with him that he's just effective but I wouldn't say he's efficient um yeah where do you stand on it Max um <clears throat> I was going to slightly disagree with Jafar but he's kind of convinced me I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think it is concerning from a Man United fan's perspective in that he hasn't really contributed anything apart from that one penalty against Tottenham against the top six. I mean, stats do lie, but that is quite a significant drop-off compared to his stats against other teams in the Prem. And part of it, I think, is because of the counter, counter-attack style they play. I think big six teams are just better at setting up um, yeah. against United than any others in the Prem. That goes without saying. Um, and I think... That he's just not getting enough. He's not getting as much t- time and space on the ball. It affects every playmaker. Um, yeah, you've got less time and space. You've got less time to think and play the right pass. And I don't think he's playing. I know in some games he has disappeared a bit, but it does like it does happen. Like yeah. every player has disappeared in a in a big game. Let's be honest about it. Um, apart from maybe like Drogba, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's concerning, but I don't think it's the end of the world. The guy is incredible, to be honest, and he is yeah. one of the best players in Europe at the moment. I think, and I think he will prove the fact that I, I don't. I think he's going to play well against big teams. I don't see that issue. Like, I think he's going to be fine. I don't see he hasn't played atrociously. Yeah, teams. He's just mm-hmm. not quite as involved as he usually is. I think we're used to seeing him being in the centre of everything when you're not Man United doing anything because he is the best player by a mile on that team. And then when there's any sort of like drop off, you see that United. I mean, we saw before he came in, United were so much worse. Yeah. And now he's here. We got so used to him dictating everything that when he's slightly off the pace, you see a massive gaping hole. Like, where is he? What's he doing? Yeah. I mean, if he was in a team with a few more players that could do a bit more, another playmaker maybe, then maybe, you know, um, he wouldn't have such a heavy load and he'd be able to, you'd, you'd see him a lot more. Do you think, um, I don't know if you saw, there's a story, I can't remember if he put it out, that <clears throat> I, don't, I don't read much into it, but apparently he's getting frustrated with his teammates basically for not being as good as him. And you do see that on the pitch, but he's definitely not the first player to ever do that. There's so many players that are like that. But do you think... You know, there's a lot of conversation about Kane and should he have left? Should he still leave? Like, when is he going to kind of make that jump to go to a team arguably more likely to get trophies? Do you think Bruno is 
do you think he is all about trophies? Like, obviously, he's all about winning. You can tell from his attitude. But is he all about trophies wherever it comes? Or do you think he is all about Man U and he's happy to stay at Man U and try and drive them something? Or do you think, say, say they don't do anything for two years, they just kind of get top four, maybe one year, then get Europe, Europa League the next year? Do you think he would look at it and think, I've got to move on, I've got to go somewhere else to win things? Or do you think he's in it for Man U? I think he'd move on. I think there's only a certain amount of loyalty you can have to a club. And I'm not saying he's a disloyal player, but he, I mean, to be honest, I think I think he'd be there next year, but I think the summer after this one will yeah. be the interesting one. If United don't win anything this year, and then next year they may be, like, say they don't win the big prizes next year. Yeah. I think, yeah. How, how, how old would he be next summer? 27? Yeah, 27, 28. Prime of your career. He's yeah. 26 We're looking right now. Stuff. Yeah, you're, if you're not winning stuff like that, you do not, no offence to Harry Kane, but you do not want to end up in his position. The guy is 29-30, one of the best players in the world, and he hasn't won anything. Yeah. That just cannot happen. Um, I think for Fernandez, it also depends on who the manager is. Yeah. Because if Man you don't win anything this season or next season, and they keep Solskjaer, I think then he'll be a bit like he needs to move to win something. But if they then get a new manager, get someone better in, someone who might win a trophy, then I think then he would stay. But otherwise, he, Real Madrid would go for him, Barcelona, anyone would like him. Yeah. Depends yeah. on what the teams can afford him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one has um, at the moment. Yeah, so... Just quickly as well, we talk, we obviously did a lot of talk about VAR. I don't know how much you guys saw the Arsenal-Leicester game, but credit to VAR. I don't know if you saw these two decisions. There was two decisions, which I think they got spot on. Um, we had a penalty given, and then it was taken away. And then we had the penalty that was given for a handball. And I think credit to them, because they did actually get those both right. And I think it's fair that we do give them credit for those. But the game itself, I think it was a really good performance from us. I was really shocked by with the team we put out but focusing more on Leicester do you think this is the beginning of the collapse we saw last year obviously they've been hit so badly by injuries like Madison's out right now Barnes was injured yesterday Justin's injured Fafana didn't play yesterday um Jafar do you think do you think the same do you think this is history repeating itself they went out the Europa League this week as well um it depends how long Madison is out for. I don't actually know how long he is. If that's yeah. only a couple of weeks, I think they can survive and get top four because I think West Ham will probably drop off at some point and Liverpool's form isn't exactly great. Tuchel has only just started. We don't actually know how that's going to go. But if Madison is out for a while and with Barnes out as well, then I don't think they'll get top four. Yeah. I think I'm just looking at their fixtures. They've got a nice run of fixtures over the next three games. They've got Burnley, Brighton, and Sheffield. They yeah. win all three. I think they, I think they're in pole position. Yeah, and they sh- they probably should win all three. But I think that there's a potential for a slip up against Burnley and Brighton. I see them beating Sheffield, but the other two, I think they, there is this potential. So yeah, no, I think Barnes. For me, I was messaging my friends during the game, and I, I literally said, I think. We were talking about, are they dropping off? And then as soon as Barnes got injured, like mid-convo, I was like, I think that's literally, that could be the nail in the coffin of their top four hopes because he's been so effective this year. 
add Madison. I mean, we we talked about before credit to them because there's a lot of talk about Liverpool's injuries and all all these teams' injuries. Leicester have been hit so hard, and I do I do think for sure if they had everyone fit, top four would be a certain this year. Um, so I do feel for Leicester, but like you say, hopefully Madison can get back get playing, especially with the Euros coming up. It'd be, I mean, we've had this discussion already about whether he should be going, but you definitely at least want to have the option of him. So if we touch on the last thing we're going to touch on from the Premier League, uh, we've talked a lot about the top four, so we're going to talk about probably the last team in contention. We, we mentioned West Ham already. Everton picked up a 1-0 win last night against Southampton. Um, I think you said you didn't see the goal, but it's a really nice... Sigurdsson played a really nice free ball for Richarlison. It's a, uh, I think he took one touch on his left and then just played it straight through the defence and Richarlison rounded the keeper. They obviously started brilliantly, dipped a little bit, and then that win uh, a few weeks ago, whenever it was against Liverpool, really sort of is kicking them back into life again. Do you think, where would you put them if you sort of said Leicester, Liverpool, West Ham, Everton? I think that's everyone for the top four. Oh, Chelsea as well. Where, where would you rank Everton in those five in terms of chances of getting that fourth spot? I think because of Leicester's injuries, I think they'll end up fifth or sixth, depending on how hard Leicester get hit. I think they'll finish above West Ham, but I think Chelsea and Liverpool will finish above them. Okay. Because um, I think, like, we saw Calvert-Lewin got injured, I think, for a bit, and they didn't win in, like, three games. If that happens again, then they're going to drop off fast. Yeah. Um, I... Richarlison is on and off, I feel. He's done well recently, but before that, he was a bit not great. So I feel like Liverpool and Chelsea just have more to finish above them. Yeah. The next two game game days for Chelsea, I think, will be the defining two of their season. They've got Liverpool and Everton the next two games. Okay. I think if they pick up four points from them, I think they're in poor position. Um, yeah. Especially if they pick them up against um, Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'll be interesting with Chelsea, obviously, taking a good first win in the Champions League. If they do manage to get past Atletico, they're going to have that to think about as well. So I think that could be something that helped Everton. But at the same time, I do think it's highly possible that Atletico turn that around. So I think, yeah, I think the top four is going to be an interesting one. If we... Um, we're going to head on to the questions after this, but I just remembered we may as well, be, we can bring this forward because we'll end with the questions. I don't think we mentioned this to you before, Joshua. We're going to do, um, we're just going to talk about the game tonight. It's Man City Wolves and we're just literally going to give a okay. prediction each and then we'll put out a poll on Twitter and you guys can vote on whose prediction you think is best. And maybe we can try and keep tally of who's been more accurate as the season goes on. So is it Man City at home? I think so. <laughs> I think the, I think the result is going to be the same for a lot of people. Yeah, Man City. Um, yeah, so I'm guessing we're going to go for a Man City win. Is that fair? Well done. Yeah, guessed it. <laughs> so yeah. what are you saying for an actual score prediction, Max? I'll go to you first. Two now. Well, you don't think they're going to go nah. go all in? Well, um, because it, it's quite an easy week this week. Well, potentially, who knows? Should we? <laughs> we'll add in for first goal scorer. Who's that in two 0 first goal scorer? Um, Sterling. Fair. I mean, if he does what he does against Arsenal, he'll be scoring within a minute. So it's a good shout. What you said, Jafar? I'm gonna go. 
I'm going to go with 3-0. That's a shame. Um, and first goal scorer, I think. I would have said Aguero, but I don't think he's going to start. So I'll go with De Bruyne. My prediction was literally 3-0, and I wanted to say Aguero, but I didn't know if he'd start. <laughs> I'm, going to go, I'm going to back them. I think they're going to go 4-0. Just literally get, get the count in there. We'll go 4-0. Yeah. I'll back him. I'll back Gundo. You know, yeah. he's player That's of the year out. if he keeps it up. What about Gundo? I just, the only thing I'd worry about him is that I feel like the system's slightly changed now that De Bruyne is back. Like, he's the main man again. But I'll back Gundo. I love him. Great player. Love him at Dortmund. And he's done well this year, so. I feel like we can also, because we're not going to be back until next week, we should predict the Thursday game. Liverpool-Chelsea, okay. that's the biggest game of the week. I didn't even know that was on this week. That's on that's Thursday. Insane. I'm definitely watching that, man. Yeah, Liverpool at home. Um, I'm going to have to make a prediction off, off the spot, to be honest. So, Sam, you can go first with that one. Yeah, I'll, I don't worry, I'll just take it lads first, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Liverpool-Chelsea. I'm going to go... It's the Manchester it's Derby at the weekend as well. <laughs> yeah, oh. we'll talk about that in next week. So we'll talk about yeah. that in next week. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go... I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be quite dead. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one, and I think uh, Giroud's going to score first. And then Liverpool are going to fight back in the second half, get one, look like they're going to win, but not manage it. It's going to be very similar to Chelsea Atletico. That's what I'm saying. Do you want me to go or do you want to go? Uh, you can go first, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> you know, I want to go with the exact same thing that you go with. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that now. Um, I'm gonna say one-one as well. I'm just gonna have to go for a different goal score. I can't get. I can't say the same thing. Um, <laughs> Make Kai Havertz to find find his form at Anfield. He probably Werner really scored. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a story. I'm gonna say Liverpool score. Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember who plays for Chelsea half the time. Yeah, that um, changes so much. God, it's going to be Giroud, isn't it? He's just going to—he's going to score. Right, say so the same thing. Great minds think. Yeah, one-one and, and Giroud. Oh, um, I'm going to say three-one Liverpool. Wow, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm backing us because if Fabinho, Cater, Jota, and Allison are back, is there a chance think, of that? Cater's back. Cater played against um, who did we play the weekend again? Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah. Um, and he looks good. I think yeah. Salah will score first, and I'm backing Cater, man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to start. Yeah, I think he should. I think he has to. So I've got, loves I, I do like Cater, but I've got the Klopp's uh, press conference report from today. Yeah, Benio and Allison are available for Thursday. What well, he expects them to be, and wow. Jota, he said, "I quote, yeah, I think he will be. I think he'll be available, but I don't know." So Jota I mean, if Jota's back, back if Jota's back, then I'd back us to win. Jota when has to start if he's back. Well, well I was gonna say when he when everyone's fit. I don't think he will though. What would your front three be? Would it still be the main trio? Mane, Jota, and Salah. Yeah, agreed. Wow. Hey, I'd almost play. Game. I'd almost play, or I'd play. Firmino in the ten. Firmino in the ten. We did that earlier on in the season. We played Marnie. Did it against Man City, didn't he? Didn't you? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think we started all four. Yeah. Yeah, we we stuck Firmino at the 10 and we stuck Salah at the 9, I think. Played Mane on I just don't think... Firmino's playmaking hasn't been good enough either recently. I don't think he should be starting right now. Yeah. I just, the guys are... And I don't trust a midfield two of Wijnaldum and Thiago. No. <laughs> I would rather... Tallest midfield in the Prem. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're a good player. They, they just don't... They wouldn't fit very well together. Yeah. They're, just, they're too yeah. similar in their, in their I stats. I think you're right, though. I feel like as much as Van Dijk and Gomez have been huge... Henderson and Fabinho not being in midfield has also been so big. So. We could have Henderson and Fabinho in midfield as a two. Perfect. I think that was why it was so like short-sighted to think of Fabinho to play as the fourth centre-back because he's done fine on his own, but it disrupts yeah. the midfield. And we saw that last season with Fernandinho. He yeah. did fine at centre-back, but it disrupted Man City. And we should have like seen that. We should have bought a fourth centre back, and I think that was the biggest mistake of the transfer window for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that wraps up the Premier League chat. We'll jump into part two now. Jafar, we gave you a set of questions yeah. that we do with everyone every week. Yeah. So first question: What is your first memory of football as a Liverpool fan? Um, this is a weird one. Um, Liverpool, it was Liverpool against Besiktas in 2007. And it was Ryan Babel scoring off his back. <laughs> I, I don't know why I remember that <laughs> as my first thing. <laughs> um, I, I, don't know why I, I don't know why I remember that. Um, but that's all I remember from the game, even though it was 8-0. And yeah, that was the first one. Was that, was that the biggest... I wasn't sure if it was that. I think it was. At least it was for us. Um, I couldn't remember if it was that or the Champions League final. So I watched the highlights last night and it was it was before the Champions League final. So that is the first one. It's a good first memory. It's a good first, I, can't, I can't remember that. <laughs> I only remember crying after losing the final <laughs> that year. Yeah, that, that was the only time I did after yeah. a football match. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so moving on, what, what's your favourite memory as a Liverpool fan? There we go. I think at the time it was Coutinho's goal against Man City in the 3 2 in 2013 wow. 14. Obviously, now it's not good. Um, <laughs> but at the time, Wait, at the time it was the best one. What happened after that? Arsenal just I don't work. know. Uh, I think they cancelled <laughs> the season. I think it was like Corona. But it was null and void, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, null and void. Yeah, Gerard, Gerard retired unexpectedly in the season. <laughs> yeah. No, that game was crazy. I remember watching it, being annoyed because yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was over. I thought you had, you had gone all the way. I went mental. Yeah, I, know. I was running around the living room. <laughs> yeah, I was. In I the mean, that's, um, it's quite interesting with this question. A lot of people aren't picking like you win in the league or you win in the Champions League. Um, there was another Liverpool fan. I thought I for a minute I thought you were going to say the same thing. Who said at the time this one win just felt amazing and it was um, the Europa League against Dortmund. Oh, I didn't get to watch that game, so that's oh, okay. why I think. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it either. Yeah, but yeah, it's just interesting how people pick like moments as opposed thing is, to necessarily it's... winning the thing. 
it was probably my favorite moment, but I've never watched it back because I don't want to. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I don't. I don't want to watch it back again. It Why? Just, because the season didn't end well. I don't want to watch. Oh, it I thought you meant the Dortmund game. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no, the Dortmund uh, one. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The I don't. I don't think I've watched like any Suarez highlights very often. <laughs> To be fair, I feel I like... Just, I don't want I anything done, from 2013-14. Yeah. If I had, like, been present in my mind when Arsenal with the Champions League final, because that was my first memory, but if I had been, like, properly into football and knew what was going on, I don't think I'd be able to re-watch Henri's semi-final goal against Real Madrid. Because that... I, I imagine if I was old enough that would have been my favorite memory because that goal even when i watch it now is just insane it's literally in goal two they use it in goal two like that is the definition of this is the greatest goal i ever scored and if i had watched that live, one more one that isn't oh yeah yeah i was gonna say if i'd watched that live and then we lost yeah. the final especially the way we did nah i couldn't deal with that if only you... yeah one more thing that i was gonna say that's not like an obvious one like the barcelona one um, yeah. Was the four-one at Old Trafford? Oh yeah. When um, Dosena scored, that was that was really good as well. Yeah. Just because I don't think we'd won at Old Trafford, not maybe not for a while, but it's just you don't win there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we could have won the title that year. That would have been a that probably would have been a bigger memory if because we, we were in the title race that year up until the last couple of games. Yeah. I feel like we won the title year, but I don't year. think like I was. Not that I wasn't as into football, but I don't remember this season as much in general. I just remember us. So draw. it's like it's e- it's easier to remember that moment than the whole season, yeah. like 2013, yeah. 14. Yeah. Mate, what a year 2013, 14 was. Crazy. If we uh, if we move on, then um, I like this question. I think that, like I said, you can kind of roughly think. Okay, I think he's going to say this for for their, their own club. So this one's a really interesting one. I think. What's your favourite footballer memory that doesn't include Liverpool? I think Aguero against QPR. Wow. I'm surprised. Because that. someone said that, haven't they? So it stopped Manu it stopped yeah. Manu winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> it That's wasn't because it wasn't because it was a great moment, it was just because of that. <laughs> That's another trend. We've had so many people like something because it stopped someone else being happy. So <laughs> You can see how fickle football fans are. Yeah, like because um, my brother is a Man U fan, so <laughs> that made it even better. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, yeah, that's a great moment for sure. I second that opinion massively. I do at the time. <laughs> like, I didn't really see. I wasn't really concentrating on that day of football, but yeah, the fact that United didn't win the league was just perfect. It's fine as long also, as you're not, um, I'm good. I think the seven-one Brazil against Germany. I wanted oh, yeah. Brazil to win it, but I think if Brazil lost narrowly, it would have been annoying. But I think because it was so big, it was like I didn't care who won. Yeah, it was just was, it was that insane, was unreal. That game, like it genuinely felt like you were watching like a moment of history. You <laughs> were just like, yeah. what is happening? And like it, it was just the fact that like Germany just didn't care. Like literally, Kadira was just playing like a centre forward. Just <laughs> like what is happening? It went from like one nil to four nil in like five minutes. Yeah, mate. Hey, what was another great game that I think gets overlooked because of that one that was in the same tournament was the when Holland beat Spain five one. Yeah, yeah. No one talked. Yeah. I feel like people don't talk about that game much. That was that was the Robin 
burning yeah. around us. Yeah, yeah. That World Cup was, mate, we, we talk about World Cup so much on this. That all of them, there's just so many good games. It's like, it's just, it just is the pinnacle World Cup of entertainment the, football. The World Cup is the pinnacle of sport, and no one can tell me otherwise. <laughs> no one. It's the most fun to watch. Oh, easy. Oh, 100%. It's so good. I love it. I can't wait for it. I mean, the Euros are going to be interesting this year. The World Cup's next like... year. How has that happened? <laughs> yeah, I know. How is that? Oh, it's Qatar. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be in the winter, isn't it? It's going to be awful. Like, it's oh, not, it's not in the summer, though, so we've got to wait. I'm so disappointed. Wait an extra six months. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's gonna be a weird one. That's that. The final is like right next to my birthday, which is just gonna be weird. And like, what what is even gonna happen? The prep is it just getting like cut in half. I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do with the mess. Surely they should just play it. I think it's just gonna be a winter it. break. You surely you just keep playing it. And just <laughs> let all the good players go. <laughs> just have like all the academies playing the prep games. <laughs> Burnley win the league. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what happened? What happened in the 2022 season when Burnley won ten games straight? <laughs> what was that about? Burnley went invincible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we move on to the fourth question. This is the one a lot of people struggle with. What is the one player you wish Liverpool could have signed? Um, Sanchez. I know someone said it, but when we sold Swan. Whereas instead of getting, instead of having a front row Balotelli, Barini, and Lambert, we could have had Sanchez, <laughs> and we ended up with those three not scoring. Like Sanchez on his own is literally, literally beats them easily. So <laughs> it good. didn't help that yeah, it didn't help that Sturridge was injured for like the whole season. Yeah, but yeah, that wasn't fun. I think Sterling was our highest goal scorer when he when he wasn't even good at scoring. Yeah. And Coutinho was like second highest. It was not a good season. Oh, Sanchez was so good. Like I, I feel like I talk about him all the time. But literally, that's probably the only reason I'm okay with not getting Suarez now is the fact we got that over you the year after. And I remember he had a really good World Cup for Chile, and I was just like, please. Like I feel like we've signed so many people that have let me like let me down and not been it. But he was just so good. Like he was on it. It felt like he was the first player I'd watched. And I know Ozil was great, but in terms of effectiveness and just pure output, I was like, I feel like this is what this is the level of an Invincibles player. This is the level of like Pierre's Henri, whoever you want to say. Like he's just so good. And I would have hated if you had got him. Um Very I think one more that we were always rumoured with that like we never actually got close was Marco Royce. I feel like we were we were always rumoured with him, yeah. and he was always really good. I know he's had like injuries, so maybe yeah. it wouldn't have been that good anyway. But at the time, he was so much better than anything we had. Yeah, that getting him would have been so nice. Yeah. Where did you guys um? Where did you guys sit on Werner? Like, obviously, he's gone to Chelsea now, um, and there was a lot made of that, and I. I think it was was it mainly like the sort of finance finances involved? They were just like it's not. If we couldn't, it was the money up front. We because the yeah. other two signings we made in the summer were. I bet. I mean. I mean. Thiago's deal split up into four years, five million each year. So that's only five million in the first year. Yeah. We're only paying ten percent in the first year, so that's four point one. So we're paying that's nine mil in the first year. Um, so that's why we couldn't because then we had to pay fifty mil for them in cat low up front basically. Yeah. And there's no way. I mean, we weren't going to get for that, to be honest. Yeah, I did want Werner, but um, Jota's has just turned out better anyway. So it's yeah, no, it's Jota, ended up well. Jota's such a good buy. 
And he's... I think Zona would have done very, very well at Liverpool. Like, I, I, I think under Klopp, he would have been fantastic. But, I mean, on fight, like, look, it's worked out fine. I mean, yeah, got mm. less money. So I think he would have displaced Firmino if he had been the level he yeah. kind of showed it like. I think he would have. Yeah, yeah no, mate, what could have been? What could have been? Well, um, I guess, yeah, I guess we could wrap up there then. It's a great, great football chat at the start and then yet another footballing story. We are going to hopefully start getting some people within the game coming on. There's no guarantees, obviously, but like we always say, please contact us if you want to come on. We want to hear everyone's footballing stories. We want to hear stories from different countries, different leagues, everything. We just want to find out how people feel about the beautiful game. Um, and yeah, hopefully we're going to get some people within the game to get some maybe arguably kind of different stories beyond just fan stories. But we'll see how that all goes. We hope everyone's doing well during this difficult time, obviously. And um, yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday with the next episode. Thanks for listening.